Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Did Jesus know that this man was only looking maybe to get just involved? and not really fully committed? Did Jesus know that this man was still desiring position and status in the world rather than a willingness to be committed even unto death? And is that why he responded to this man who had place, who had position? His response to him when the man says, hey, I'll follow you anywhere. His response was, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Is that really what you're looking for? Is that really what you're committed to? Do you understand that? What kind of commitment did you make to Christ when you came to Christ? How committed to Jesus are you? Do you believe in Him for salvation like an insurance policy, but then go about your life as normal? Or are you fully committed to Christ, even unto death, out of pure love and devotion to Him? In today's message from Luke chapter 9, we will hear a heartbreaking story about a man who is unwilling to give up the comforts of this world in order to follow Christ. Pastor David challenges us to not make a foolish decision like the man in our story did, but to be fully committed in our faith. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Involved or Committed. Well, some of you, perhaps all of you, might be familiar with the story. Now, if you're familiar with the story, just bear with me, okay, as I retell the story. But the story is of a pig and a chicken that were walking down the country road, and they were kind of discussing life together and how hard it was being there living at the farm and the expectations of the farmer, and just it just was not a pleasurable place to be. And so they started thinking, how in the world can we get ourselves out of this situation? And as they were walking and discussing these things, the, the chicken suddenly spoke up, and he says, I know what we can do. We can open up a little cafe and we could serve breakfast to all of the travelers and the money that we make in serving breakfast to all these travelers, then we could buy train tickets and we can get out of here. We can go to a more beautiful country. So the pig thought about that for a moment. He said, well, that sounds like a wonderful idea, but what would we be serving for breakfast? The chicken says, well, that's easy, bacon and eggs. (laughs) That kind of caused a pause in the pig's thoughts. And he says, you know what, I don't really like your plan. Because with that plan, that calls for you to be involved, but for me to be totally committed. (laughs) A lot of people within the church deal with that issue. Rather to be involved or to be totally committed. Are you involved in the things of Christ? Or are you wholly and completely committed? Involved or committed, there's a world of difference between the two, isn't there? Just ask the pig. In our walk with Christ, he calls for us to be wholly and completely committed. Are you committed to Christ? Are you committed to his kingdom? 
Are you committed to, to, to the work of his bride, the church? Or do you come here week after week just only slightly involved? Well, before you answer that, let's look at the passage this morning. We are in Luke chapter 9. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn there, the very last uh, few verses of Luke chapter 9. Jesus here is dealing with three different individuals, three different men, three different situations. I believe that his questions to them are, do they really want to be committed or do they simply want to be involved in the kingdom's work? Luke 9, and we're going to begin in verse 57. Let me read on through the end of that chapter, and then we'll go back and take a look at these things. So Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road. Well, that's not the pig and the chicken. This is Jesus and the disciples. Okay, so we're done with the pig and the chicken thing, so let's move on. They journeyed on the road that someone said to them, or said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then Jesus said to another, he says, Follow me. And that man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the, God, or the kingdom of God. And then another came to him also and said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and buy, uh, bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Remember, at this point in time, Jesus and his disciples, they're now headed down to Jerusalem. We looked at that last week. It's going to be the last trip to Jerusalem for Jesus. Because as he goes there, he's going to be arrested, tried, convicted, executed. And here at this point in time, as they're going down the road, we have an individual that, that comes to Jesus and with a very, very bold declaration says, Lord, I, I, will, I will follow you wherever you go. And you have to commit. That's pretty bold. That, that seems like he's committed enough to follow through with that statement, to be able to come and say, wherever you go, I want to follow you. But let me, the question I wonder is, did he really understand the next step in the ministry of Jesus? That Jesus was going to be arrested, convicted, and, and executed. Or was he like so many of the disciples were even then, thinking that Jesus is getting ready to set up this earthly kingdom? Oh, I want to follow you into this earthly kingdom because maybe then there'll be place, there'll be position for me. Does he really understand what he's saying when he says, I'll follow you wherever you go? We know that from Matthew's version of the same event that this particular man, he was a scribe, and the scribes were of the sect of the Pharisees. And the scribes themselves, they were lawyers. They, they were interpreters of the law. Can we believe anything a lawyer says? I don't know. I, we won't even go there. This was a man who had status. He had place. He had position in life. He comes to Jesus and says, I'll go wherever you want or wherever you're going. I'll, I'll follow you. Understand that Jesus knew the hearts of all men. We, we see that through the scriptures. And you have to take that into consideration as you ponder, again, Jesus' response to this man. Did Jesus know that this man was only looking maybe to get just involved and not really fully committed? 
Did Jesus know that this man was still desiring position and status in the world rather than a willingness to be committed even unto death? And is that why he responded to this man who had place, who had position? His response to him when the man says, hey, I'll follow you anywhere. His response was, you know, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Is that really what you're looking for? Is that really what you're committed to? Do you understand that? What kind of commitment did you make to Christ when you came to Christ? Do you think, hey, great, it's great to have that ticket to heaven, and that's all that I need. I just want to have eternity sealed for me. Or did you really come to him fully committed and said, Lord, whatever you want, I'm yours. I surrender the wholeness, the completeness, everything that I am in my life. For this man, he needed to understand that a commitment to Christ and to the kingdom of God is not for earthly gain. And as a matter of fact, there's many places even today that a commitment to Christ means to lose everything and possibly even your own life. A commitment to Christ, when you come truly surrendered to Christ and you come surrendered to the kingdom of God, it is a commitment of death and a commitment of sacrifice on your behalf. It's a call to surrender every temporary thing in order that you might gain every eternal blessing. And the unfortunate thing, there's many within the church today that are proclaiming a whole different message. You come to Christ and you gain everything that this world has to offer. And that's not what the message of the gospel that I read speaks. My question to you, have you, have you come to that place in your Christian commitment where you can say along with that great hymn writer, Isaac, Wyatt, Isaac Watts, all of the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. Have you come to Jesus for your own good pleasure? Or have you come to Jesus knowing that he calls you to die, to lay it all upon the altar, all this world's goods, all the pleasures, even of this life? Although, like I said, we see it done within our culture in many churches today, you need to understand that Jesus never soft sells the gospel. Never soft sells the gospel. He calls for a fullness of commitment. This next situation, though, is a little bit different. Because in this next situation, Jesus comes and speaks to a particular man. Verse 59 tells us, he said to that other one, follow me. He calls him to himself. In that situation, Jesus bids this man, come, follow me. Come, come away from the things that you're involved with. Come away from the things that you are uh, 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 busy about in this world and come and follow me. This is the same call that he had given to many of the disciples. Again, as we read through the Gospels, you know how it is when he came to Peter and Andrew and James and John. He says, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And what did they say? He didn't say anything. They left everything. They, the word tells us that they left their nets and they left their father and they followed Christ. They knew what that commitment was about and they left everything. Matthew, also known as Levi, remember he was a tax collector and he was sitting at the table. He was, he was in the process of taking money. He was busy about life, busy about his occupation, busy about doing the things that he had to do. Jesus came up to him and says, come and follow me. And what does the word say? He left everything. He walked away from it. He left it all on the table and walked away from it and began to follow Christ. 
Now, we look at this, and here's this man, and Jesus gives him this invitation to come and follow him. But this invitation here is, is it's met with some hesitation. It's met with some hesitation. It says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. At first glance, you might seem that it, that, that, that pretty well makes sense. You know, I, I'm, I'm in the process of burying my father. Let me finish that. Let me finish what I've already committed to, and then I'll follow you. And to you and I, that, that might make a lot of sense. But the problem is, is the culture and the context of where and when it's written don't allow for that kind of interpretation. Because if the man's father had already been passed away, he probably would not have been where he was that day on the road watching as Jesus and these others and the disciples came walking by. He would have been busily about the burial process. That process for the Jews at that point in time, it took several days, days of mourning, days of being with family, again, uh, away from every other thing. They were focused totally on that. He would have been actively involved in the process if his father had already already passed away. The possibility, it seems to be more probable, that perhaps his father was, was, was older, and maybe he was getting close to that time where there was an expectation of death, but he was probably still alive. Maybe he was sick, we, we really don't know, but it would seem that the man was looking as his, at or at his responsibility as a son, perhaps in a couple of different ways. Number one, he knew that he needed to continue to submit to the headship of his father. If his father is still alive, well, until I bury my father, I need to remain under his leadership. After I bury him, then I can come and follow you. Or perhaps it was just simply an act of his own responsibility, knowing that perhaps he was the oldest son and he knew that he had a responsibility to care for his family when his father passes away. We really don't know. But either way, there was an undefined time of hesitation was it going to be a week and then I'll follow Jesus? Maybe a month or two and then, then I'll have time and then I can focus on my commitment to you. Maybe it's going to be years. We, we don't know. But at that point in time, he really was not ready to make a commitment to follow the Lord's call in his life. There seemed to be, though, this urgency of the call of Jesus on this man's life. Did the requirement of uh, meeting the family's needs still need to be met for this guy? It would seem so. There was some kind of responsibility. Was the man committed by the Lord to, again, honor his father and mother? Yes, absolutely. But when the commitment of the call of God on an individual's life is based on his current status or based on your current responsibilities, there's something out of balance. If the way that you respond to the Lord is because of what's going on in the, in the horizontal plane. There's something out of balance. Lord, I'll serve you, I'll do, but I have to do this. I have to take care of this. I'm Let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus knew what the situation was in this man's life? Absolutely he did. He knew what the man's father's situation was. He knew everything about it, but yet he came to this man and said, you come and follow me. There's nothing that, 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 that takes Jesus by surprise here. 
Jesus wasn't speaking to this man as one that didn't have compassion. Jesus continually demonstrated compassion. He continually demonstrated this care to to all of those that he ministered to. And, And here it would seem as though Jesus understood that this man was actually just making up excuses. Yeah, I'll follow you, but not today. I wonder how many people come to church week in and week out through the months and through the years. They hear the call of Christ in their life, and they say, you know, I'm going to do that one of these days. I'm going to commit my life to Christ one of these days, but right now I have this to take care of in my life. Right now I need to take care of this issue, and then I'll give my life to Christ. Then I'll go in full obedience to the Lord and what I know he's called for me. Excuses, excuses that cause delay and in most cases completely turn from the call of God in a life. How long does God call a life? How many times does his Holy Spirit come and draw an individual to him until finally, as the word says, you know, my spirit will not always strive with man. Until finally, that still small voice, that wooing of the Holy Spirit becomes so clouded over by the cares and the concern of the world that they no longer hear it. They're no longer drawn to it. And the message of the hope of the gospel no longer impacts their life because they've heard it over and over and over and never responded to it. And maybe you're here this morning and you've heard that message over and over and over and it no longer stirs you the way that it used to, but you've become very comfortable in hearing it. You've become very comfortable in leaning upon your excuses in not coming to Christ. One of the other things that we need to see here, there is an apparent call on this individual's life. We see it in a couple of ways. First and foremost, and most importantly, there was this call on this man's life from Jesus. Jesus did go to that man, said, come and follow me. Man, that is a direct call of Christ on this man's life. It's not like the other two says, hey, I will follow you. No, Jesus comes to this man, says, you come and follow me. And secondly, I believe that there was a particular calling or gifting on this man's life. What was Jesus' response to him? Let the dead bury their own dead, but you, you go and preach the kingdom of God. I wonder if he was calling this man, again, into the ministry of evangelism, the ministry of, of, of preaching the gospel. Was there a gift and calling that the Lord was ready to place on this man's life, but yet because of his own hesitation, because of his own excuses, he'll never fully receive all that God has for him. He'll never fully know the great pleasure of serving the Lord with a completely committed life. Both of these calls came directly from the Savior, and yet this man was hesitating. Both of these calls came directly from the Savior, and yet there was something more important in this man's mind and his heart that kept him from responding to the positive of this invitation of Christ. In the call, Jesus, again, he does away with all of our excuses. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. Now, it's not that he's callous. It's not that he's hard and cold. I believe that what he's saying is, you know what? These earthly responsibilities, they're going to be taken care of. They, They can be dealt with by others. Others who aren't perhaps even part of the kingdom of God. But you, you need to go and preach the kingdom of God. Is there some earthly excuse that 
Perhaps even this morning you're here and you, you try to, to use an earthly, a temporary excuse that keeps you from answering the fullness of God's call in your life, of being fully and wholly committed to Him in every aspect of your life. Oh, I'd, I'd love to serve the Lord with a whole heart, but I've got this responsibility, this responsibility. Do you think that the Lord does not know those responsibilities? You think that He can't handle those? You're the only one that can. God can't, but you can. Are there things in this world that distract you from hearing and answering the call of Jesus in your life? Are those things so large and so important that only you can handle them and God can't? The third, the last individual, he comes to Jesus in kind of a similar fashion as the first one. Verse 61 says that he came to Jesus and says, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Well, that, that makes sense. I, I want to follow you, but let me say goodbye to my mama. Let me say goodbye to my brothers, my sisters, my, my family, and then I'm going to come and follow you. That, that would just seem to make sense. But Jesus' response to him tells us that there's much more to this. Jesus responded and says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And again, on the surface, it makes sense, but apparently much more is there in that request. Did Jesus understand that if this man went back to the family to bid them farewell, that there would either, again, be a delay to his commitment or there would be a full distraction that the family would say, no, we need you so desperately, so, man, you have to make that decision. You need to determine, are you going to follow me or not? Jesus' response to this man hints that there was this inward pull that the family would have on this man when it came to following Christ. He wouldn't be able to follow him with a whole heart. He wouldn't be able to follow him undistracted from the cares and the affairs of the world. Jesus says, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. An old previous pastor of ours years ago, and this is just sidebar, this is no extra charge, uh, he was preaching a revival in Nebraska, and he was preaching on this passage, and you know, Nebraska, a big farming area out there. And as he declared this passage, he, he says, and no one having put his hand to the plow is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, you left out the middle part there. Uh, uh, and suddenly he was wondering why everybody was really frowning at him. No, no, it's having put your hand to the plow and looking back, he said, is fit for the kingdom of God. What would happen to a farmer if, if as he's plowing the field, he continues to, to be looking back as he's plowing? He's not driving a tractor, you understand, that at this point in time, it's probably being uh, pulled by an oxen or some animal as he's plowing this field. And if he keeps looking back, well, he would have horrible looking rows. He would not be doing the right job. And even if you're looking back and say, oh, I need to correct that, and you're trying to correct ahead of you what was done in the past, it's not going to happen. The best and the only thing that you can do when you're plowing the field is keep your eye on the mark ahead of you in order that it might be able to be plowed correctly. You don't correct the row that you've messed up on by continually looking backwards. It'll continue being a mess. You correct and maintain a good row by looking forward, by looking forward. Paul understood that. Paul understood that as he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3 of uh, uh, Philippians. He says, brothers, I don't count myself as to having apprehended it, but this one thing I do, I'm forgetting all of those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. 
I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.